going to be crucified, he's going to be tried, and he was going to go through all this, and then on the, on the Passover he would be crucified and all those things. And all this he knew, he knew that his mission on earth was complete, and that he was you know, about to go back to the Father, he was about to die, he was about to do all these things. He knew, remember we talked about it last time, not just that he was going to be beaten and, and whipped and crucified and go through the pain and the physical torment of the cross, but that he was going to endure the wrath of a holy God. He was going to endure the wrath of the Father. And so he knew that was coming, and yet it says here, he, even though he knew all this, that his hour has come, that he was going, he had come from the Father, going back to the Father, he loved his disciples to the end. How did he love them to the end? What's it going to show us here in these verses? Like what comes after these verses? What did he do? He washed their feet. He washed their feet. He served them. He served, loved them to the end. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I feel pressured or frustrated or you know whatever, I I want it all about me. I know none of y'all are like that, but I'm like that. Like when you have a hard day at work, I just want to come home and I just want make me a cake. You know, I want to eat something. When I'm on a, if I'm on a diet or whatever, and like you have a hard day, it's like you know what? Forget the diet. I don't even care. I'm going to eat something. You know, <laughs> other people go shopping. Other people do that. You know, they go whatever they do. But it's always about me. Now imagine what Jesus is going through here. Jesus was a lamb prepared to be slain before the foundation of the world. So Jesus had always known that this day was coming. He had always known that he would die for the sins of the world. He'd always known that he would endure God's, the Father's wrath. He'd always known. So, I mean, think about it. Even day one of Genesis, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, and that meant that he was one day closer to going to the cross. And then day two, God created whatever he Do you he think he knew exactly when he was supposed to do this? Or do you think it was the consistent communication with God and God informed, okay, now your time is no, I think he knew. I think... Uh, that, that's a good question. What all he knew... Because he, he grew in stature and wisdom as a child. It tell, the Bible tells us that. But I think through eternity, in eternity past... Before he was born in Bethlehem, he knew he knew the Father's plan that he would take on flesh, well, that he, he would come. It, but I'm talking about the moment because you know throughout all John it says, you know, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. And right now in verse one and thirteen it says, okay, now my hour. Now has my come. hour has come. Yeah, I think I think that he did. I think that he did. And even if even if he didn't, I have a hard time thinking that he did. Because it says he was, you know, he's like as a lamb, lamb slain before the foundation of the world. I mean, that was the plan. That's the center point in history. That's what, that's what he came to do. So, in verse, I, in verse 41, chapter 12, it says that God had gave him a commandment in what to say. And right. To he gave him those. So he had to, had to have given it to him sometime. Right. It must have been before he came. Must have been. And of course, they had communication with them, but I'm, I'm with you. I think that God, and that's how we explain verses where it says the son didn't know the hour of the return, because that's not what the father commanded him to say. And he, he only came saying what the father commanded him to say. And so, 
My thing, though, what I wanted to point out, what it, what got to me was, you know, can you imagine, put aside for a minute the physical, but we know I don't want to go through nothing physical. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be whipped. I don't want to be crucified. Um, but even that, he was about to go and endure the wrath for all eternity the father the son and the spirit have been in perfect love relationship with each other they've been in perfect harmony they've been of you know they were three different persons in one being they were of the same mind when i say that i don't mean they all had the same mind i mean they were they were all united with each other <clears throat> they existed in this perfect love relationship and now all of a sudden here for the first time in eternity from for the first time in from eternity past to eternity future the one and only time the son was going to be was going to bear the wrath and the anger and the punishment of the father and i mean this is something that the son never experienced before in all eternity before there was a creation before there was i mean he was about to go through something that he had never experienced before that was taking the wrath of the Father upon Himself. He'd never known the wrath of the Father because they'd always existed in this perfect relationship. They'd always, you know, He was all perfect. He was God. He was, you know, there was no wrath. There was no, but yet He was about to step in that role and He was about to take all this wrath. And in the night before that He was about to take this, I, if it was me, I put myself in the position. If it was me, I'm thinking, okay, guys, I'm going to do this for you. Y'all, uh, y'all wash my feet. Y'all pamper me. Y'all talk, you know, let's, let's all, you know, feed me. Y'all do. But instead, he didn't do that. He, knowing that his time was come, it says he loved them to the end. And he loved them by grabbing a towel, wrapping around himself and, and washing their feet. Does that make sense? I'm trying to bring the weight of it to you because we've all heard the story, Jesus washing their feet. And we've all, you know, we've all, that's been a, a mainstay in Sunday school class for kids all you know for ages and ages but sometimes since we've heard the story so many times we lose the gravity of Jesus was you know he was about to go through something that he'd never gone through something something that a holy God could never experience and that is wrath for breaking the law wrath for sin wrath for disobedience and so he was about i mean i can't imagine what kind of pressure was on him he was all man and all god i can't imagine imagine what kind of thoughts and feelings he had i know when i have a tough day i had a hard week this week not just like working hard but just with people hard you know and like last night i was like dana you're gonna have to bake me a cake <laughs> I mean, you just gonna. I, I, I deserve. I deserve a cake. You know what I mean? I deserve. I deserve to sit here in my recliner and do nothing today. You know, last night I was like, I, de I no, I deserve. I was out there. She had me doing the ports, screening the ports, and I'm almost done. I got like this little corner, and most people are like, I'm gonna finish. You know, here it is. I'm got this little. I was like. No, dead gummit. I threw the hammer down. I said, I'm done. I deserve to take a break. And I'm going to take a break because I've had a hard week. But yet here was Jesus about to go through the hardest thing imaginable. And he didn't say it's all about me. He said, I'm going to wash. I'm going to wash y'all's feet. I'm going to do it. And, and we'll see what how that all plays out here. 
Jesus' love for us, even in the midst of even in the midst of the the worst possible thing that was about to happen that you could possibly imagine, he loved us so much that he served us, even in it. it says he loved them. He said, Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And verse two blows my mind even more than verse one blows my mind. It says, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Not only was he about to go through the most toughest, the most toughest, the toughest thing, the toughest thing that you could possibly imagine. Not only was he about to take the wrath of the Father, not only was he going to go through physical suffering, but the guy that was going to initiate it was sitting right here at the table with him. Now, Judas didn't leave. Judas is going to cut out here in a little bit. It'll probably be next week when Judas cuts out. But he's going to cut out after Jesus, you know, dips his bread in the thing and hands it to him and points out who's going to betray him. But Judas doesn't. Judas is there for the foot washing. Do you think Jesus washed Judas' feet? Yeah. Yes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine washing the dude's feet that's going to betray you and... In, in the midst of all this pressure that you got on you, in the midst of all this, you know, worry, I, I don't know how it would feel to be the Holy Son of God, have existed for eternity, and all of a sudden about to take on the wrath of my Father who has loved me perfectly throughout eternity. I, I don't even have the words to explain what that was going to be like, but here he was on the brink of about, about to face it, and he loved those that were there, and the one of them that was there was the one that was fixing to put all this into motion. And by the other Gospels, you know that he had already put it in his mind that he'd already taken the money. He had already, you know, made the plan with the Pharisees. And what he's about to do now, he's about to, you know, when he when he runs off here, he's going to go get them and bring them to the garden and point Jesus out. And, and there it is. And so Jesus knew he knew that he was. Time was come. He knew that he was from the Father and going back to the Father. And he knew that his betrayer was sitting right here in the room with him. I don't know about y'all, but I have a hard time just even smiling at folks I know that betrayed me. Or that, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it at all. Because I, I, I just... So if you ever see me and I, you're like, hey, and I'm like, hey... You know, you done probably done something. <laughs> no, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. I'm getting better. I'm getting better about it. But aren't we all kind of like that? Aren't we all? Now, it's, we forgive and we fight to forgive and we struggle to forgive people, you know, but it's a constant battle, as most things are in Could Christian life. Tell us what we did because we're not I'm trying, I'm battling within myself to forgive, so I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, I, my thing is I have a hard time hiding it on my face. You know what I mean? Like, Dan will come in like, what's wrong with you? Nothing. <laughs> I have a hard time, whatever, I, if I'm happy, if I'm sad, if I'm mad, whatever, I have a hard time hiding it on my, on my face. Huh? Well, my voice is kind of loud and boisterous anyway. So I'll say, saying it, I'll say, Dana, will you please hand me that? Don't yell at me. I'm like, I'm not yelling at you. I just said, you know. Do anyway. That's in the past. It's okay. I forgive you, Dana. Thank you, Dana.
Alright, so Judas was at the table. He knew... Man, I have a hard time washing Judas' feet. Yes. Do you think Judas did put himself in that mindset? You know, like, you know, like if you're feeling really proud or something, and you go ahead and get your hands dirty, it's like your mind follows. I mean, I know exactly what you mean, but I don't know if if we if we if we draw that out to the logical conclusion of it. I don't want to put Jesus in a position where he's prideful or he's, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm Jesus. You know what I mean? She said, she asked if Jesus washed his feet to put himself in the mindset of being a servant, being humble, being, you know, because here in a minute it's going to say that he knew that God had given him all things and he had all authority and all things that he had given to him his hand. Um, maybe. I think that the... The number one reason that I see in the text, and Jesus is going to explain it to us here in a second, is he did it to teach them a lesson. To teach them, he used it as an object lesson. He says at the end, he's going to say, do you understand what I've done for you? He says, what I've done for you is what you're going to go do for each other. You know, you're going to love each other. You're going to serve each other. God has given the disciples, us, authority. He's given us the authority of the gospel. We have the gospel to go and proclaim just like Jesus had the gospel. But we don't go in that authority, you know, striking our scepter on the ground and saying, thou hast, you know, whatever. Uh, we go as servants, just like Jesus, who had all authority. He came and he washed, he washed their feet. Does that make sense? I don't want to put too much. I don't think Jesus was like, hey, I'm the man. And it's, you know, I don't think he was experiencing the kind of pride that I would experience in that situation. But I do think that. That's a good cure for being prideful is to humble yourself and do some menial task like we're going to find yeah, out. That's just the same nature of us feeling that way. Right, right, right. Yeah, he, he never sins. So, and, and there's, I mean, that's a good question. There's levels to it. I, I don't know how far I would take it. I don't, I, I'd have to think about it. Does that make sense? Does that help you, know, you in it? You know how you made the comment? You said it would be so hard for you to watch, wash Judas's feet. Yes. But, you know, one thing that, you know, Christ had is, it, it, like what Tammy said, you know, he didn't have that sin nature. He loved perfectly. We do not. He loved unconditionally and we do. Right. You know, there you know, you'll say you love Dana and you love her with all your heart. I ain't watching her feet either. But let her make, <laughs> but let her make you mad and you're like, I'm not even gonna talk to you. You know, yet. Right. Right. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I I do. And he did love Judas. Without condition. Without condition. What what if during the process of washing Judas's feet that he repented? Judas then? So what if? I'm just asking. Oh, uh, what if he would have? Yeah, during the process of washing his feet, he would have repented. Then we would be we would be messed up because he wouldn't have gone to the cross. You know what I mean? God, God had God was kind of using Judas. In Acts chapter four, it says uh, the disciples are praying in Acts chapter four, and it says. Um, it says the, the Gentiles, the Jews, Pilate and Herod got together to do what your hand had 
ordained that they would happen, and that was the cross. So they were doomed from the beginning. No, 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 no. He, I mean, he's he didn't have a chance for redemption. Yeah, he was responsible for his own actions. To put it that way, and even after the cross, even after the betrayal, he had a chance for redemption. But instead, he went out and yeah. hung himself. You know. So even just like Peter, I mean, Peter denied three times. He could have went out and hung himself too, but he repented and he, you know, I'm sorry for what I did. And so Judas had an option. Even even if you put the whole betraying Jesus aside, because you know I'm, who hadn't betrayed Jesus in some way in our lives here, uh, instead of instead of going into despair and grief and all that. And it's interesting, the, the word where it says Jesus, or it says Judas repented of what he did, he was sorry for what he did, is not the same word that is used for actual repentance. Um, it's, it's a, I'm sorry for what I did, I wish I wouldn't have done it. And then he went out and hung himself. Hung himself. Does that make sense? So even after, the, even after the crucifixion, after all that took place, Judas had opportunity and and I believe that God would have accepted him if he would have come back and repented. He wasn't sorry even after he had God betrayed glory Jesus. For, for true repentance. He was sorry because he just felt like he let He was him. sorry for what I mean, he was sorry for what he had done. Yeah, he he was guilty for what he had done. I mean, he felt those things, but the one thing that he wouldn't do was the thing that Peter did, you know, and that is he came and he repented toward God. And he trusted in God's forgiveness, and he he just threw himself at God's feet. Rather than doing all that, he just went out and hung himself. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense? (laughs) Repentance toward God. I've got a question. Okay. In Acts chapter 1, verse 25, it says that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. Do you think he had a... Well, his own place is just a separate place from... In hell? No, not, not like he's got his own room picked out, you know, like, you know, but but he went to a, his own, his own place was the different place he was going to hell. I mean, he was going to the different place than because the disciples. evangelists preach that he's got a special, a separate, yeah. worst place because of what he did. Yeah. Because he did betray the Son of God. Right. Well, there are levels of punishment in hell. Uh, I get that from the parable Jesus told where he said the the disciple who is a parable, but he said the disciple who knew his Lord's will and didn't do it will receive more stripes than the disciple who didn't know his Lord's will and didn't do it. Um, but I just, for my, this is my personal opinion, I think that comes more from Dante than from Scripture. You know, if you ever read Dante and his Inferno, Judas is in the like the ninth circle of hell in the devil's mouth, you know, in Florida. So, you know, I just have a hard time thinking that doesn't come from some of that, you know, tradition. Well, I read that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they made us read it in high school. Yeah. You know? So anyway, we're all good. Jesus, washes, he's about to wash feet. Judas is there. He's pressure, pressure is on him that he's about to take on the wrath of God. Everybody with me? Any more questions? All right. He knew it was happening. And then let's just read verse 3 through 5 and see what goes on and we'll talk about it. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand. That's very important. Notice it already in the first two verses, it's told us things that Jesus knew. 
as he was doing this. He knew that, you know, we already talked about that. He said, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from the Father, he knew he'd come from the Father or from God, and no, he, he went to God, he was going to God. He knew that he was now about to take the kingdom. He was about to sit on David's throne. He was about to, uh, you know, be crucified, resurrected, ascend to the right hand, sit sit at the right hand of the Father in power and majesty and fulfillment of the prophecies and Daniel. And what the next line should read, he stood up and they worshiped him and served him. But what it reads is, he's knowing all these things, he rises from supper, he laid aside his garments, he took a towel, girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Now, think about this for a second. Jesus knew in his mind, he understands what's about to happen. He's understanding not just that he's going to the cross, not just that he's going to bear the wrath, but that this is the moment, this is the point in history when the Father is giving him the kingdom where Jesus is going to be he's going to defeat death, he's going to defeat the grave, he's going to defeat Satan and the curse of sin and all the things that have plagued mankind up until now. He is he knows that the Father has given him all authority and that he is king of kings and lord of lords. He knows these things. He has there's no higher position than he can hold and he he in this position, in this authority, he stands up and he starts washing the disciples' feet. This was a task that was really nasty, and it was something that servants would do. Earlier, if you uh, remember, Jesus told a couple of the disciples to go and get the room ready. You remember when he told them that? He said, go and get the room ready, go buy the stuff we need to eat, the Passover and all this stuff. Inevitably, Part of that preparation was getting a basin and getting water, getting a towel, because that happened when when disciples, when when men of stature walked in to eat the Passover. The first thing that happened before they ever sat down at the table is a servant would come and they would wash their feet because they would take a bath at home, you know, and so they would be clean. But walking down the road with sandals on, dirt roads, you know, the feet would get nasty. And it just, so the first thing that happened, they walk in the room, a servant of the house would come in and he would wash the feet to clean them. And then they would go and recline at the table and they would have a meal. So what it says here is it says during the meal, as they were sitting at the meal, Jesus rose and did it. So I see, and this is just me thinking out loud, those disciples put the basin in there. They knew that it was going to need to be done. They knew that feet washing was part of the deal to come in and have the Passover meal. But I can see them strolling into this room that they had gotten ready, knowing that there wasn't no servant, you know, no servants coming. But they stroll right past that basin, right past that water, and just sat down at the table with dirty feet. Because why? They didn't figure anybody was going to worship me. Well, that's true. But they weren't servants. I sure ain't washing my feet. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. I'm. You know, it's like you. You know, I've walked past. You know. Uh, oh, I got a good example. In a bathroom in the hospital, you know, I'm chaplain two days a week. Walking in the bathroom, it was like green toilet paper on the floor. You know, it was like, I, I walk in the bedroom, I'm like, well, that's thanks for whoever got to pick that up. 
It's like, I'm not been, a, I'm a chaplain. I'm not a custodian. I'm not picking the green toilet paper up off the floor. I'm sorry. And that's the kind of, I can see that mindset. The disciples stroll in that room. It's like, there's the basin. <laughs> there's the water. There's the towel. Uh, no servants around. I guess we're not going to have no foot washing. We'll go sit down. I'm not going to do it. I wonder if they thought they would each take turn washing Jesus' feet. Maybe. Maybe so. We'll see Peter object here for a minute. You know, he, Surely he's thinking, uh, I probably ought to wash your feet. Mm-hmm. You know? But the, the thing that is strange to me is that it should have been done before they got to the table. When, I mean, when you come into the house, that's when the servant does it. And then you sit down and so return to the table. So they were at the table. I mean, they were at the table fixing to eat, you know, fixing to have the Passover. And while they were there, Jesus rose up from the table. And he went and got the basin and all that stuff. Now, when you see Jesus doing that, what rises up in you? Okay, I'm a disciple. I'm following Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my master. He's my teacher. And then here he is, the one that I love so much, the one that I esteem so much. He's getting up and he's about to wash my feet. Humbleness. Humbleness. What else? I, I, That's true. I just, I would be, I, I don't, in awe. Yeah. Ashamed, maybe? Have you ever been to one of those ceremonies? I don't want nobody washing my feet. I got ugly feet. That's not what I asked you, sweetie. Oh yeah, we've had, we've washed feet here before. Okay. Huh? Valerie's laughing at me. I'm laughing because she checked you. <laughs> Sophie says he wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> she'll do it. She'll do it all the time. You gonna say something, Doug? I think if I was a disciple, I'd be thinking, why did one of us do this? Yeah. yeah. Shame. Yeah, my defense is just like what you said. Take care of my suit. Yeah, I, it, it's shame, and it's my it, in a roundabout way, it's pride. Yeah. Because, I mean, could it have been a test for Jesus to be sitting there to see which one would actually? I mean, I, I guess it could have been. I guess it could have been. See who's going to be the servant here. See who has learned anything of what he said about being a servant. It could have been, but he takes this point to teach them something important. So I'm like, thinking he knew what was going to happen. Like you guys ain't got it yet. Oh no, they didn't get it even after he was killed. <coughs> they still didn't get it. Not until the Holy Spirit came. They were hiding in the upper room. So yeah, that's very possible. Yeah, but Jesus also knew these men. I mean, he had been with them day in, day out. He knew them. He knew their hearts. He knew how their minds worked. Just like you know, you know how your spouse is. And he probably knew them better. Than that. Exactly. And they were probably always waiting for him to make the first move to because he was teacher to them. You know, so they didn't do anything until you know if he jumped, they jumped. Yeah. Well, and that's probably true. I think, in my little mind, I'm thinking that it hurt their pride. Why were they expected to be spiritual when they had received the Holy Spirit? Oh, well, I mean... Why were they expected to be 
understanding what Jesus was talking about. They were still in the flesh. Because it's like what you said, they didn't really catch on to it until no. after, after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit filled them. Mm-mm. Why were they? Well, it, it's, a, it's a process. The Holy Spirit brought back to remembrance all the things that He had done. All, it's what it says. When Jesus said, when I leave the Holy Spirit, He'll bring back to remembrance all the things that I've done. And so all the things He was doing were for them to go and preach, but they weren't totally prepared until He filled them with the power to do so. Um, I was, what was I saying? Pride. And the reason I say that is because I'm thinking it, sh- it would shame me that I'm letting this guy who I'm supposed to be serving wash my feet. I remember there was this people, I don't know how much of this story I'm supposed to tell y'all, but there was some folks that came to church here and they quit coming to church here for a long time. Never, I mean, never did come back. But then they would, they like months and months and months and months later, they quit. Not only did they quit, but they would run down the church in town. They would talk bad about Brother Eddie and all the, you know, just all these things, all the stuff that really just makes my hair stand in. And then they called him one day and said, "Hey, I, I'm moving to Florida. Uh, can you come get all my stuff and take it to Florida?" And I was like. No, he can't take me. You know what he did? He took all the crap to Florida. And it it was like, you know, and I'm knowing that's what I'm supposed to be. You know, that's what I'm supposed to, it's just an example. That's what I that's the way I'm supposed to be, but it was shameful for me. It shamed me. It it rose up, it rose pride rose up in me because I I, I was like you know, I'm not who I'm supposed to be, and he's making me look bad. You know what I mean? He's making me look bad. Don't be doing that like Bradley. Bradley, you got to quit posting all the stuff about how much you love your wife and how wonderful she is. You're making the rest of us look bad, man. What are you doing? So, it, 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 him coming, it's just making, making his disciples look bad. You know, making them look bad. Well, that's like Jennifer with her family, and I've noticed it this oh. since I've moved here. Mm-hmm. And she's probably always done this. Is that when they get down, they sit down to eat supper, she fixes everybody's plate. She's just like that. Well, she doesn't make learn, you sick. She didn't learn that because I never, ever, ever did that. So, you know, when they were small. But when they got old enough to fix their plate, fix your own. Oh, yeah. She didn't learn that from me. So, She's got a servant's heart. Oh. Yeah, she fixed mine for too. Really? People come to my house and I say, you want something to drink? I say, yes, yeah, it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> get All right, we're going, we're getting to hurry. We're, going, we're not going to get done. Um, he's going to teach them with this foot washing. This is, this is really neat for me. He's going to teach them about the Christian life. He's going to teach them about sanctification and justification. That's two big words. What is justification? Justification Justification is getting saved. It's a once for all deal. It happens in an instant and there it is. It's done. Nothing can ever be added to it. Nothing can ever be taken away from it. Justified. Justification. What is sanctification? Process of being daily conformed into the image of God. When you're justified, you're not perfect. You still live in, you know, still have flesh on you. 
And so every day Christ is going to be teaching you and molding you and disciplining you and, and moving you toward God in us. And that's an everyday process and that's it's just how it is. So the difference between justification and sanctification. Justification is saved once for all. Nothing can change it. Sanctified is the daily working of the Spirit of God in you to change you and make you more like Christ. He's going to show them these two truths. Peter objects. I don't know why, but I'm thinking you're making me look bad, Jesus. He says in verse uh, 6, it says, Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter's always the one that says what all the other disciples are thinking. Uh, he said, And Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? He's, the, the way it's phrased is he's saying, You're not washing my feet. Yeah, there's no way it's going to happen. Jesus answered and said to him, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching you something right here. And so I am going to wash your feet. And so I know you don't understand it right now, but you will understand it. And it's going to be clear to you. But right now you're going to let me wash your feet. And then Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. You will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, he says, If I wash thee not, then thou hast no part with me. Now, bang, is that like a that's like a hammer to the head for Peter? Like he's saying, You're not unless I'm washing you, you're not my disciple. And so He's showing them. He's going to show us two two things. Let me read on, and I'll, I'll show you how it works. Uh, verse ten says, Simon or nine says, Simon Peter said to them, "Okay, if you're going to make me wash, let you wash my feet." He said, "Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head, and you know everything. You just wash my whole. I, I want you to. I want. I want to be part of you. And if washing my feet makes me part of you, I want the whole deal. You give me the whole deal." And Jesus corrected him. He said, "Jesus said to them." He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet. He says he don't need to be washed all over except for his feet. He said, but he is clean every whit and you are clean. You are clean, but not all. He's talking about Judas. For he knew who should betray him thereafter. Uh, therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Do you see the picture he's given? He's saying, I'm going to be washing you. When, when, when you were invited to a dinner at somebody's house in the first century, you would get all perfumed up. You would take, you know, get your, you know, it's, it's kind of stinky time back then. And so you'd take a bath and, you know, you would, you would, you'd get all that ready. And then you'd walk to the house and your feet would get all nasty. You don't need another bath. You're clean because you just had a bath. But walking, to, walking down the road... It's going to get your feet all dirty. And so you just need your feet washed. Jesus is going to be, he, he's saying to him, he, he's given a picture of the Christian life that you are clean. You are perfectly clean. When he justified you, he saved you, wiped all your sin away, clean before the Father. No accusation can come against you. Declared innocent, not guilty. There's nothing that's going to, nothing's going to impede your stand before the Father when you're at the judgment. But... As you walk down the roads of life, as you walk through this life, as you grow older, as you go to work, as you, you're walking down these nasty, worldly, fleshly roads, and, and it gets on you. It sticks to you. So every day, Jesus is going to be washing. He's going to be washing you. He's going to be cleansing you from this. He's sometimes going to hurt. It's going to be discipline. It's going to be all those things. Do you see those two pictures there presented? He says, you're not washing my feet. He says, if I don't wash it, then you don't have no part of me. Oh, well, if that's the case, then wash all of them. Well, I don't need to wash all of you because you're already clean. 
You see, does that make sense? You see how that works together? Okay. Let me let me get done, and then we'll, if we have any time, we'll, we'll talk. Um, the main point of the lesson is verse uh, 12. 12 through 17, 18, we'll stop. It says, So after he had washed their feet and taken the garments and was set down again, he asked him. Now he's going to explain it. He says, Know ye what I have done for you? He says, You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for I am. He says, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, here's the point, you also ought to wash whose feet? One another's. One another's. Now, that is very important. Now, don't take the word ought like, you know, you really ought to go and do this. The word ought there means you have an obligation. It means you must. Uh, If I was translating this, I would say you are obliged rather than you ought. But you have an obligation to wash one another's feet. You should want to. Huh? What he's saying is you should want to. Are you saying I should want to wash my feet? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you should. If nobody else hurts. <laughs> my feet are much better. Yes, they are. Okay. <laughs> Pretending like that didn't happen. We are going. Says this is why. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. He's implying that, look, I'm fixed to go to my father and I'm going to send you. You're going to be the ones that I sent out and you're going to have the authority of the gospel. It's where it says it right here. It says, and he well, let me explain this first. I'm running out of time. It says, it says, you're not greater than your teacher. I'm greater than you, that Jesus is saying. And I humble myself and I wash your feet. You are obliged as you go out to humble yourself and wash one another's feet. Now, does it mean does it mean to actually wash your feet? Like, is that the principle that he's saying? No. What's the principle? Serve. 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 Being a servant. That's what. And who are you supposed to serve? Each other. One another. He's talking about his. He's talking about your fellow brethren. Your brethren uh, doesn't mean that you're not supposed to serve people that are lost. You're not supposed to serve the world. You're not supposed to do that. But he's putting an emphasis on loving each other. And throughout the rest of this book of John, he's going to put this is how the you know this is how the world's going to know that you're my disciple because you love one another. And so he's gonna it's going to be service. And he's letting them know you know also. I know what's going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. Suffering is going to come. He says, he says, uh, uh, 18, I speak not all of you. I know whom I've chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now he's talking about Judas. Now I tell you before it comes that when it comes to pass, you may believe that I am he. He's saying, look, I know in the coming hours, in the coming days, you're going to all freak out. You know, because I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die and I'm going to have all this. People are going to come and persecute. And it's just going to be you're it's going to be like, you know, what has happened? You know, yesterday we were with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And now all of a sudden, you know, the world has killed him and they're after us. And what are we going to do? He says, I'm telling you that that's coming beforehand. So you'll know that I am he. I am is what he's saying. I'm the Yahweh. I'm I am. And he was saying. 
And he was saying, I'm telling you that it's coming, but I'm also telling you that you are to humble yourselves as servants and serve one another. Last two verses says, now I tell you before it comes, well, we already read that last verse. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomever I send, which is these disciples he's about to send, receiveth me. And he says, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Do you see how he is giving them authority? What authority is he giving them? God's authority. He's giving them, when you go, you're going to have authority. Because if somebody receives you, they receive me. That's right. And if they receive me, they receive the Father. And so they're going out with authority. They have the authority of the gospel. They have the authority to say, if you trust in this, you will go to heaven. If you do not trust in this, you will not go to heaven. So they have the authority of the message and the word of God. Are they supposed to take that authority and they're supposed to go bang the scepter on the ground saying, I have the authority to allow you to enter into heaven if you would just trust in my words? Is that how they go? No, they go as servants, serving one another. Jesus was given all authority. Right there, he said he knew that the Father had given him all things into his hand, and he rose from supper and he washed their feet. And here he's saying, I've given you a lesson that you're, you're to do exactly what I've done because I'm sending you out, and you have the authority of God when you go out because who receives you receives me, and who receives me receives the Father. So you have the authority of the Father himself as you go out, but you are to take that authority, you are to humble yourself. And you are to be a servant to one another and love one another. Does that make sense? Any questions? Yes. Verse 18, when he says, I know whom I have chosen. What does that mean? The disciples. Okay. He knew them. He knew that one of them was a devil. Because that's the whole point. He says, I speak not. He says, I, he says, happy are you if you do right. them. I speak not of, of you all. He's looking at 12 men. He says, I'm not talking about all of y'all. He said, because I know whom I've chosen. I know Matthew. I know Mark. And I know Judas. And I know exactly what's fixing to happen. And he tells them right then, he says, he that eateth bread, this is the prophecy fulfillment, he's going to lift his heel up against me. I know you. And I know that, I know Judas is going to portray me. That's what he's saying. Okay. Okay. Anything else before we go? Okay, let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us your your truth. God, thank you for the correction that it provides. Thank you for also letting us know, God, even if uh, we fail and we fall and we we, we know that we have sinful hearts, we know we have wretched hearts, uh, but we also know that you've cleaned us through your your saving power and that we are are being cleaned as we go forth throughout throughout our lives. So, Lord, we love you, God, and we thank you. We pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see as we go into your service uh, now and that you would just uh, you would wash us again with the word as we come to hear it again. We love you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.